Um, I didn't realize it was about a year and a half ago I spoke on the topic of consider your ways. And at that time I was thinking about just the word consider. And I looked at that and it ended up being a a message. And so uh, I want to look at another consider. And this is in Hebrews 10. And I want to read from 19 through 25. And the, the topic today is to consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. And so uh, just some thoughts along those lines. Um, But let me read verses 19 through 25. Uh, Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that is, his flesh, And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So (coughs) what I want to do is just some thoughts related to uh, stimulating one another, encouraging one another in the things of God. the, the word itself just means you need to think, consider, think about it. Um, and so here, you know, you you going on a vacation, you've been considering going to Texas, or you've been considering doing this. That means you've been thinking about it. And it's it's that's the meaning of the word. And what we have here in this particular verse, there's some specific something specifically that the writer to the Hebrew wants the Christians to consider, and that's how do you stimulate or motivate one another uh, to love and good deeds? How do you encourage one another? Well, first thing I want to note is that this is not um, an exhortation for the pastors only. It's an exhortation for the church to consider one another, how to cons- consider how to stimulate one another, so it's it's an admonition to all of us. It's a responsibility that we bear when we come together to be thinking about ways to encourage one another, to stimulate one another, to towards the things of God. And uh, sometimes it's pretty easy to come in and have a a passive. Uh, mentality of just being a casual observer and that's not what the what the Lord wants for the Christian he wants you to be an active participant in this so you have a responsibility we all have a responsibility to one another in this and so what I'd like to do is to consider really I just I have three areas but the first one I want you to consider is that you can encourage people 
with the way you live. Your life can be an encouragement. And um, how you live can have a real influence on the people around you. And Matthew Henry said this, a good example given to others is the best and most effectual provocation to love and good works. The best and most effectual motivation, if you will, to people to move on with God, to walk with God. Your life. And uh, Jesus said in Matthew 5, let your light shine before men in such a way that they see your good works and they glorify their Father in heaven. So we're to live out our life, our Christian life, in a way that affects others and it brings glory to God. And so I had in mind uh, a few examples of this. The first one that came to my mind is our sister in the Far East, and I'm not using her name on purpose. Um, But, you know, you think about her life, she she had people were affected it seems like everywhere she went people were affected and uh it was i'm sure it was because of her consistent walk with god and her total reliance on the holy spirit relying upon the holy spirit <clears throat> and as she shared with people it affected people and you think i mean she's listed them in in letters Think about those three, three girls she was discipling and how that affected them. And then they turn around and find this little girl in a dumpster. And so it, they share with her. And she's in the hospital, and she affects the people in the hospital after she gets converted, this little girl. And so you have this, this ripple effect And that's the way it is with the Christian life. You walk with God. God brings people into your life. And he uses you in ways that most of the time you don't know. When she was in prison, she probably will never know how her life, when they were abusing her and mocking her before everybody, she probably will never know how it affected some of those other prisoners, how it affected those guards in the prison. But she, she continued to walk on with God, and she had an influence and an effect for good on those people in their lives. <clears throat> the second example that came to my mind was Barnabas in Acts 4, um, verses... 36 and 37, it says this. Now Joseph, a Levite of Cyprian birth, who was also called Barnabas by the apostles, which translated means son of encouragement, and who owned a tract of land and sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now isn't it interesting? The apo- his name was Joseph. The apostles called him Barnabas. Son of encouragement. I'd like to have that name. What's your name? I'm the son of encouragement. You know. Well, they must have seen something 
and Barnabas to, to give them that name. You don't hear much about Barnabas, except if you read the book of Acts, everywhere Paul went, you see Barnabas cropping up. He's right with them. And you don't get the feeling that he was traveling along with them, observing and taking notes. He was entering into the ministry with Paul. I'm sure he was speaking. I'm sure he was encouraging others because that's the way he was. You see him with uh, when Paul and, and Barnabas have this little dissension about whether to allow John Mark to come with him uh, because he had been with him previously and wanted to go back. Paul said no. Paul goes with Silas. What does Barnabas do? He says, yeah, come on with me. Barnabas and Mark go off and minister. So that idea of just encouraging, taking him under your wing, he wanting to come back and do it again. Yeah, come on back. And you, you see also in this verse right here that we read, he has a track of land. And he sells the land and brings all of the proceeds and lays it at the feet of the apostles. You know, that had to be an encouragement to the apostles. Here he takes all of this money, just lays it out there. But you, it, I'm sure it was an encouragement. But the point is, is that it was probably more than financial that, that Barnabas was an encouragement. He was probably an encouragement with the people he was around all the time, just in his life. So <clears throat> Barnabas. And then um, think about somebody maybe you know personally. Haven't you been around people where after you leave from being around them and you think about it, you're just encouraged to go on with God in maybe a different way, a, a deeper way? Um, when Keith McLeod used to come down um, to, from Canada and we'd have meetings, I never, I mean, we went to those meetings, but the, the messages that Keith McLeod spoke, I don't remember any of those messages, really. I remember some stories he told that kind of talked about the, the Lord and how the Lord was, can do anything and the Lord is almighty and, and we need to believe God. And, but as far as, if you were taking notes with Keith McLeod meeting and you were kind of a type A, you would go crazy because <laughs> he chased rabbits everywhere. But they were all related to the, to the glory of God. But the thing that I do remember about Keith is the prayer meetings. You go into a prayer meeting with Keith McLeod, and it's like you come out a different person. It's like he was so in touch with God, and that, that really had an effect on me, just praying with him. And being able to just see how he just kind of brings you right along with him as he goes up praying. And you walk out of there feeling like you can believe God because he makes God look so great and powerful in his prayers. And, and you believe that. So his, his prayer life was something that just, it had an effect on me. <clears throat> and then we've been in the homes of other people. And there have been... Homes where <clears throat> you're, we have been blown away by the hospitality 
the generosity and the love that's been displayed to us while, while staying a few days with them. It just amazes me. And you walk away from there and you go, that's the way I, I hope our, our life will be like that, that we would be that open to just be able to minister to people. And you see the heart of, of people like that, and it, it literally has changed our life in terms of the area of hospitality and the things you own. You don't own them. You're just a steward of them. And uh, so that, that had an effect on me. It had an effect on our, what we thought about hospitality. It changed our life. What is that? It's the power of the Holy Spirit working through another Christian. And all they were doing is walking in reality with God. It wasn't some spectacular thing. It was the day-to-day walking with God. And it, it just influences you. It, it has an impact on your life. And along those lines, it wasn't well, it was maybe a month ago, maybe a few weeks ago. I don't remember exact time. But I was visiting with a brother who had been up here several years ago. And he had done some work for one of the families, and, and he stayed with them for a few days while he was working. And he told me uh, just a few weeks ago, he said, I can't tell you how that, affected, how that affected me. He said, I had never been in a family where there was kindness and peace and orderliness and the way people interacted with one another without being angry and, and raising their voices. He said, that was completely foreign to me. I had never experienced that. And he said, I just, and he had tears in his eyes. He said, I just really want our home to be like that. What is it? It's the power of God working through the ordinary Christian just to be an encouragement and stimulate. Here he is. He's wanting to do that. You're stimulating him to love and good deeds. <clears throat> so don't we need God? We need God in this. We need God to fill us fresh with his Holy Spirit. We need the love of God to overflow in our lives to others so that we might our families, our lives might be a fragrance of Christ to them. And that's, that's what Matthew Henry says is the primary way that you stimulate one another to love and good deeds. It's your life. There's another way <clears throat> to stimulate us to love and good deeds, and that is our communication. And um, I was noticing this week as I was reading through the uh, New Testament, just looking at different places. Have you ever looked at Paul, how often Paul encouraged the saints in the New Testament? I just challenge you, read just the first half of the first chapter of every letter that Paul wrote in the New Testament. It won't take you long to do it. And notice things like this. <clears throat> He's constantly reminding the saints of his love for them. Constantly reminding them. Constantly reminding them of his thankfulness for them. He mentions specific things that he's thankful for, which they 
uh, with that particular church or that particular person. He tells them of his prayers for them and how they're on his heart. He conveys his love towards churches and towards individuals like Timothy and Philemon. He mentions specific people, individuals, to greet by name these people. And then there's, just read through them. I'm just going to give you one passage out of Philippians 1, 3 through 6. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy, prayer with joy, for every prayer for you all in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. For I'm confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Now, can you imagine you're kind of down, you're discouraged, and you get a letter from Paul, and it says, hey, I'm confident you're going to make it. It's like he's a coach. I'm confident you're going to make it. And it's not because of you, but it's because of Christ. He started something in you, and he's going to bring it to completion. Take courage. Press on. See, that's stimulating somebody to love and good deeds with words. So our words can be a great source of encouragement for others. And so I was just thinking about this in the light of our words. So you've got people in this church who really have maybe it's a maybe it's a message that someone gave that was a great encouragement to you well it's good to let them know that i mean you could tell them you could email them you could text them paul was writing letters here to the churches <clears throat> maybe you come into the meeting and it's been a real hard week and it's and you're really down you're really discouraged And somebody in the congregation says, you know, I've been reading this verse this week. And it really meant something to me. Could I share it? And the pastor says, yeah, share it. And that is the verse for you. And you're so encouraged by it. God's speaking through somebody else, not the pastor, but through one of the brothers or sisters and speaking to your heart specifically. Man, that is really encouraging. So what do you do? Be intentional. Follow up on it. Thank them. Tell them. Write them an email. Tell them how much that meant to you, that that really was God speaking. You know how much that encourages them? Well, I just was kind of thought this was a good verse, and here God used it to, to speak to this other person. That's a great encouragement to them if you let them know that. <clears throat> Here's another one. There is nonverbal communication. There is such a thing as that. That means when you come in to a group gathering, you smile, you're friendly, you greet people. Um, It may not be a verbal. It may just be a wave. Joy came in with uh, this morning into the kitchen, and you just, hi, you know, and you just wave and smile. Well, that's, that's a way of conveying to somebody that you're glad they're here. You're glad they're here. You want, you're, you want to be around them. That, that's, it says a lot. <clears throat> there are times when you have to communicate with people, 
and it's not always the easiest. Sometimes there's some difficulty. Sometimes somebody might need to be corrected about something, uh, said something that wasn't right, or maybe there's a misunderstanding, um, showing them how to do something that they may be doing incorrectly. Listen, if you're a parent or a teacher or a coach, you do that all the time. You're constantly correcting kids. But the, the real trick is, is there a way to do that encourage and be encouraging during the correction? And um, this week, um, Nora posted something that I really fit in here, I thought. She said, she posted, and this is what the post said, a person who feels appreciated will always do more than expected. Person who feels, how does a person feel appreciated? Well, you convey it to them for one thing. There's some way of conveying that to them, that they're, they're appreciated so that they know it. You know, in the, um, <clears throat> I taught for quite a number of years and coached for quite a number of years. Um, and one thing I, I noticed over the years is if, not this isn't absolute, but in most cases, if a student knew, and that's the key word, knew that you really appreciated them, you really cared for them, you could say some things to them, and they would take that correction pretty well because underlying that, they know your true feelings for them. They know it. And uh, there are exceptions to that, but I think in general, that's encouragement is a great motivator. And you think of these coaches who are really good, they can get their players to <laughs> run through walls for them. I mean, they do anything for them because they know that the coach has their best interests in mind, or the teacher, or the parent. <clears throat> I want to tell you just a real brief story. I don't want to linger here. But um, uh, my first year of teaching, I taught at Ray Miller Elementary School. Now, it wasn't Ray Miller. It was Upper Elementary because Ray Miller was still alive, and he was the principal. And I had the utmost respect and was in awe of this man. He was the best educator I've ever, ever been around, college, public school. Any, there's been no educator like him to compare with them. Well, I had his son in my class my first year I taught. And talk about intimidating going to the first parent-teacher conference. <laughs> you know, and so I was kind of nervous about that. And then the end of the year comes around. And the end of the year, we have end-of-the-year evaluations, and I get called into the office for this evaluation. And I am really kind of not afraid, but I'm walking with a little bit of trembling. And I'm uh, not sure how this is going to go. And he starts out by just saying that I've done some things okay. And, um, and then he starts to point out some things that I needed to work on that were weak areas, that were things that would make me a better teacher. But here's the key. He did that in such a way that when I got done with that evaluation, I was really charged up to go and try to implement the things he had said because I knew they were good ideas. 
and they would help me become a better teacher. I think that's the way that we've got to interact with people when there's corrections to be made, to be able to really ask God for wisdom and how to go about doing that. His, he had wisdom in that. God had given it to him. And you walked out of there not discouraged by the things you need to work on, but encouraged to try them, try these things. So it was a gift. And <clears throat> the last point, and I won't belabor this because I could go on and on and on. A good rule of thumb is to ask yourself this. What stimulates me or motivates me or encourages me to go on in the Christian life? What, what is it that people do for me that then you do that for them? And that's just the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. What makes, what works for you? Try that with them. Try to be an encouragement to them. Think about how you can be an encouragement to them. And I just want to mention a couple of things that I, I can take personally from this. <clears throat> and one I'm not going to talk much on because I, I've said it uh, earlier. Um, <clears throat> When you're going through a trial and someone comes to you with a verse or a hymn from a, a verse from a hymn and you think about it and it, it's just like it's a tremendously encouraging verse and you realize God has sent one of his kids to you with a word to encourage you. You know, that's what the, the father did for the Lord Jesus went after the temptation. He sent angels to minister to the Lord in the garden or in, that, in the wilderness there. So that, that is something to consider. Share something with somebody, a verse that's been encouraging to you. <clears throat> Another thing, this is fresh. Um, seeing Christians persevere in the midst of adversity is a real encouragement to me. Uh, it was a few, maybe a couple months ago, I was with Patsy, visiting with Patsy. And uh, some of you ladies have consistently been over there ministering to her. And I know that that is a service of love that is greatly appreciated by her. And, and the smile of God is on you for that. But the thing that I've noticed is the people who have come back after trying to minister or trying to encourage Patsy come back, seems like, more encouraged than Patsy. <laughs> and, and then that's the way it is. You're, you're trying to encourage and, and help somebody, and in the midst of it, you get help. You get encouragement. <clears throat> I've been reading recently a book rereading it by Johnny Erickson, taught on suffering. I mean, that lady has gone through so much in her life, and when you read her book, you just go, how in the world would I, well, I don't think I could ever do that. But you just go away encouraged, wanting to believe God. Here she is, she's honest with the things she's going through, but she never dishonors God in her honesty. She's always just looking to God and trusting God and trusting God's sovereignty in these events. 
It's really wonderful. It's very encouraging. <clears throat> so, and then uh, another one would just be um, when I about three years ago, I was out in Arizona quite a bit. I was go out for a month at a time to take care of my dad. My sister and I would rotate, <clears throat> and um, he was going through. He was dying, and. I knew people back here were praying for me. So knowing that people are praying for you is a real encouragement. There were times on Thursday morning, my dad got up real early, he'd like 4.30, so I could get up and get his things going, and I said, I'm going for a walk, Thursday mornings particularly. And I'd go for a walk because I knew on Thursday morning at 5 o'clock in Arizona, in the wintertime, 6 o'clock here, and the men were here praying for me. And I know who those men were for the most part. And I knew some of the things they were going through. And it just encouraged me to want to bear their burden. So it stimulated me to want to pray for them. So <clears throat> praying for one another is a great encouragement. The last thing I want to mention is <clears throat> your being here today is an encouragement. It's an encouragement to the pastors, and it's an encouragement to the saints. And it'll be an encouragement to you to be around the saints, to sing together, to pray together. That's a great encouragement. And it says there uh, in verse 25 of Hebrews 10, not forsaking our own assembling, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day coming. And you know what it also says in Hebrews, same writer, a few chapters earlier in chapter 3, he talks about encouragement there too. And he says, but it's a warning. He says, Be, but encourage one another day after day, as long as it's still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sins. So it's a protection it's not only a, a source to provoke you and encourage you on in godliness, being with one another, encouraging one another, assembling together is a way to protect you from the attacks of the enemy. Isolation is one of the main strategies of the enemy to get you isolated off by yourself. And when that happens, your thoughts start playing tricks on you, and pretty soon before you know it, you get colder and colder and then harder and harder, and you fall into sin. So one of the preventative measures, gather together regularly, encourage one another, speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Um, ask people what's going on in their life. Pray for them when you're not in the meeting so that that'll be on your heart when you come to the meeting to ask them, you know, you brought this up for prayer. How, how's it been going in that? I've been praying for you this week. That is a tremendous encouragement for people to go on with God. So...